Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, where we walk with you on your journey to wholeness. Our host is Dr. Jeannie Burnett, licensed clinical psychologist and certified eating disorder therapist. Join her and her host, Carlos Houston, as they discuss the relationship between your food, your faith, and your feelings. And welcome back. To another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings. And for those of you who are watching the video, I'm going to introduce you to Francina Maloney. Francina and I have a long history. She is awesome and she is funny. So we are going to have fun on this recording. Um, Francina, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a mom of three children. Um, one of my children had an eating disorder that started at 13. Uh, very traumatic for the whole family as you're just the normal family cruising along and all of a sudden something very traumatic happens that you realize very quickly you cannot control at all. Really? You, what, so what happened? How, like, what were your first... So this, this really the show is to help all of those parents out there that are like, I don't know what's going on. I know she wants to go on a diet, but how do you know the difference between... Losing weight, which is healthy, to a full-blown eating disorder. Correct. And the whole um, eating healthy bandwagon had started in earnest at that point. So you wonder, is it eating healthy and she's making great choices, or is she got another issue? And I think about a month into it, we realized there's a serious issue um, there with her. And um, we noticed her size obviously dwindling, and at dinner... No food being eating, just moving food around a plate and mm. saying, I'm done. Um, so that's when we started watching and noticing that no food of any content really was being eaten. And if she took a bite, it was almost like um, she was gagging, like she was eating poison. Wow. And that's when we said, okay, we've got a problem. And, and she was 13 at the time or 12? Or? She was 12, going to be 13 wow. when this whole thing started. And... um you know, you try the whole, um, if you don't eat, you're not going to go here. If you don't do this, you're not going to get this. And um, the very shocking thing was she didn't care. She absolutely didn't care if she didn't go there. To not eat was more important than hanging out with her friends, um, hanging out with the new boy she liked, any of those things. So it became a very apparent issue that this was not something we could we could cure with discipline, but still being totally ignorant of the whole thing, um, tried many things, you know, and I think the turning point came for us when. Um, well, let, let me ask you, let me ask you a couple of questions about that, like just throwing my clinical stuff in there. So did you notice her withdrawing from friends? Yes, um, very specific friends who had the same kind of. Um, like minds about food. Okay. So they were trying to lose weight. Yes. They were being body conscious. Yes. Okay. What about, did you notice, sometimes there's like a, it's like when, when children go from two to three and four, it's like a little mini person steps in and they can think a lot differently. But in this process, it's like the person steps out of their brain. Did you notice anything like that? Yes. What we noticed was, um, which probably was her body starving, um, her inability to um, process things quickly. 
mm. um, exhaustion, um, you know, things that happen when you're when you're just not eating. And those became cranky. Yes. And everything was a, um, a front. You know, when you have a teenager, you talk to them in a normal tone and it's stop yelling at me mm-hmm. because they don't like what you're saying. But <laughs> this was constant. We were constantly the enemy, which later we found out was just because we wanted her to eat. Right. And because you were the enemy. Correct. We were the enemy because we represented eating. Right. So, um, okay. So you, you noticed these things, the clue, the biggest clue for you was because she had anorexia. Yes. So the biggest clue was she was pushing food around and she wasn't eating and you guys had dinner together every night. Every night. Yes. Okay. So this is like, like a, like a idealistic family situation. There's a lot of families out there that don't get to eat together every night. So a lot of parents may not even get to see this aspect and which if you're a parent and you're not able to see a consistent um, eating pattern with your children, then you may be missing some of the cues, but the other cues are exhaustion um, more. I mean, we know that teenagers get moody, but really like extreme, extreme moody and extremely touchy. Um, you know, wanted to be left alone. We um, jokingly called her bedroom um, the cave, and mm. she only came out to fight. And that used to be the joke that she came out of her cave to fight, and that was it. Mm. And um, she did not want to come down for meal time because there would always be an excuse. I have a paper to do. I have. Um, I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. There was always an excuse. That was true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she wasn't feeling well. <laughs> she was not feeling well. Right. Uh, but you know, you tend to. You don't want to believe there's something that significantly wrong, so you you give it a little bit more time because you think it's going to fix it's going to fix itself, right? And it it doesn't fix itself, and it just gets progressively worse. And then we got into the defiance of the not eating, yeah. and you know, trying okay, you're going to sit at the table like when she was a toddler, and then I'd say okay, well. I mean, after two hours of her sitting there, to just asking her to eat a peach, just eat a piece of a peach, take a bite of meat. It's like they go back into being babies. Yes, like exactly. you have to spoon feed them. Exactly, and we would try it, and her dad would get frustrated, and he'd try to put it in her mouth, and she would mm. pull back. And the um, classic dad response, which yes. is, "I'm going to control this, and you will do what I want." Exactly, and I'm going to fix it because that's what men do. They fix things. Right. Well, they think they fix things. They try to fix they try things. to fix things. <laughs> it's not a duct tape issue right here, and so uh, we had issue after issue with that at the table, and um, you know we went to get, and I think it was very apparent, and we had gone to dinner with somebody, and what she ordered was ice. All she wanted to do was eat ice out of a cup mm. because she was chewing, but there was no calories in that ice. Um, and it was a Mexican restaurant. Didn't touch a chip. Used to be a chip eater. Not massive. She was not a big girl when this started at all either. And um, relatively thin. And we went from there, very frustrated, to buy her some clothes for her picture for school. And I pulled up. Which stuff. is another dangerous behavior and, and, and situation for parent and child when you're having to go buy clothes because it becomes all about the body. 
Correct. And so we went to that chain store that um, you can smell as you're walking past it in the mall. Probably, you know, it's, it begins with an A. And um, oh, yes. you can smell the store six stores away. Yes. <laughs> that one. <laughs> the one with the sexy children on the yes, front. Yes, <laughs> that one. We went there right. and uh, I pulled out sizes that had always fit her. Mm. And this was the um, adult store. And they were obviously the smaller sizes. And um, they didn't fit her. Nothing fit her. Wow. The extra, extra small didn't fit her. So she had lost a significant amount of weight. She lost a significant amount of weight. And I had not seen her because she was very protective of anyone seeing her body. Right. That wasn't clothed. And she wore baggy clothes, which now in hindsight was they were baggy because they didn't fit anymore. Well, but the other thing about it is... um, there's a lot of shame. So when people are trying to control how they feel by controlling the size of their bodies, they are trying to uh, hide because shame hides. And so they, they, they get smaller and the, the, so that yes, the clothes naturally get baggy, but they'll also like do things like wear sweatshirts in the middle of the summer. Yes. They wear jeans when they can wear shorts because they don't want people to see their knees like I remember when I was in my anorexic phase my best friend Jill we were walking to a baseball game or something and she's like Jeannie you look terrible I can see your kneecaps like that's gross and and I want I just kind of want to interject here that nobody tries to have an eating disorder right nobody tries to be an alcoholic Um, it's, it's not, it's, it's a medical problem. We've talked a lot about, you know, mental disorders start with the, the neurochemicals in in the brain. And when someone is not being fed, their body brain connection gets severed. And so I, I like to call people with eating disorders, like a floating head above a body because they're not really connected with what's going on under, you know, inside of their their chest and their stomach and because they ignore all of the the signals of your body is starving and so when they do that they get gray they seem foggy um, because they don't have enough energy to I mean it's like driving you know 120 miles on an eighth of a tank of gas people just can't do it and so I just want to just kind of interject that this is not a choice by any means. Um, and you know what? I'm looking at the time. See how fast this goes, Francina. Yes. We're going to have to break for commercial. So okay. thankfully, you're one of our sponsors for this month. Yay. And so here's our commercial from Francina. And we thank all of our sponsors. We really, really appreciate it. Without you, we couldn't be doing this. So if you want to be a sponsor, let us know. Thanks, and we'll be right back. Are you looking to buy, sell, or invest in a home? Call my friend of 10 years, Francina Maloney. She can help you with all of your real estate needs. Her goal is to have you as a client for life. She will listen to you and find exactly what you are looking for. And as always, 10% of her gross commission goes to the MANA Fund. Thank you so much, Francina. You can call Francina at 770-861-3821. That's 770 770- 
800-361-3821. So could your nonprofit use $10,000 per month in free Google advertising? Since 2003, Google has donated free advertising to over 20,000 nonprofits in over 50 countries throughout the world. They've helped them raise millions of dollars in cash donations, recruiting and volunteer work, and in raising awareness for their causes. Visit epicgrowth.com, that's E-P-I-C-growth.com, to see if your nonprofit organization is eligible for this $10,000 in free advertising today. Hello, I am Dr. Jeannie Burnett, the founder and executive director of the MANA Scholarship Fund. MANA Fund was created in 2006 to help those with eating disorders get access to treatment. Our mission statement is to practically address the epidemic of eating disorders by providing prevention, education, research, and financial assistance for treatment to all qualified individuals through well-administered programs. People out there have difficulty with their eating and develop eating disorders, and we are designed to help people who cannot get that treatment otherwise. So if you would like to sponsor this show or give a donation to the MANA Fund, please contact us through manafund.org. That is M-A-N-N-A fund.org or 770-495-9775. Thank you. And once again, we're back uh, with Francina Maloney talking about her history with her daughter that um, did not choose to become anorexic, but did. So thank you, Francina, for coming. We appreciate everything that you do, everything that you are, and for helping parents out there. You're welcome. So let's get back into, all right, so you talked a little bit about the signals and the signs before. And so what did you, um, what was it like for you? I mean, you said your husband was frustrated and was trying to like shove food in her mouth, which is a big no-no. Yes, it was a big no-no. And you know, (laughs) but you don't know because you have never been, you've never done this. This is uncharted territory. Um, The frustration was I had two other kids. And they basically... Older or younger? One older, one younger. Okay. And they basically were kind of, you know, not ignored. Their needs were taken care of, but our entire focus was on um, our child. And there's that guilt, you know, guilt, the gift that keeps right on giving and giving and giving. <laughs> and um, and tells you how inadequately you're yes, giving. <laughs> yes, yes, And makes you wish you were a better parent all the time. And... um for me, the frustration came as uh, you want to control it and you have a child with a true struggle, which means as a mom, you become a mom that has a real struggle yeah. because we want everything for our kids. We want them well. And for me, watching her just pleading, I remember pleading, getting on my knees, crying, saying, just take a bite you've got five things on your plate take one bite one thing just a bite you know what if you'll take a bite you can go back to your cave so the powerlessness yes put you on your knees and and i and i want to just talk about that struggle so your you your reaction to the powerlessness with her and her lack of eating was to beg and try and and kind of manipulate her into eating and making something more powerful than not eating 
and your husband was trying to shove the food in her mouth. Yes. And so but what I want people to understand is that when you are dealing with someone that is active in an addiction, it is a power struggle. And when you engage in like the food part as a parent, you lose the battle because they have power. Yes. And one of the blogs that I just wrote about was anytime a child has more power than a parent, they lose and the parent loses. And so what you've got to do is go into a different direction, which we're going to talk a little bit about, but more in our um, in next week's show. So how did so let's just as a mom, how did you feel about yourself? Oh, well, you know, initially you go, okay, what have I done? Have I given her a bad view of food? Um, have I not um, listened enough? Is this because, is this behavior, you assume initially that this behavior is diet related or it is a issue that was something to do with the family. Mm. So then you start thinking, okay, is it because there's a perceived lack of love? Is it... Um, that we have not given healthy views of food. There were so many things going through my mind. And of course, I guess we'll talk at another show where the release for me came from. Mm-hmm. But initially looking back on it, actually right now talking about it is very painful. I actually have this sickness in my soul right now, remembering mm-hmm. the absolute powerlessness of it. And you know that you've pulled out every bag of parent tricks that you've used in the past and not one works, not one. Well, and you don't know which one to pull anymore because you don't have any left. Right. Well, and what I know from a lot of parents is that um, you just feel like you've done something wrong yes. and that it's your fault. Yes. And what I want to say is um, yes and no. There, there are probably things that you can do differently. Right. Because, I mean, we all work together multiple times years in family therapy and um and then there were there are other things like medication that need you know that the the kid needs because when you start messing and I think the worst time I don't think any child ever 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 should go on a diet under the age of 18 I agree ever 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 because there's too much going on I messed up my my thyroid when I had my eating disorder Um, there are people that are bulimic that because of so much vomiting, they can't carry children. There are lots of physical problems connected to having an eating disorder. And many people don't think that, but you think about your body's changing. Your brain is growing so much during that 10 to 20 year old range. I mean, your brain's not finished developing until you're 25. And so there's just, um, there's a lot going on and the earlier the intervention, the better off the child and the family. Right. Now we ended up with some of those, um, long-term for our child where, um, she messed up her thyroid. Mm. Um, and because she was so young, some of the, um, progression of puberty ceased and it didn't really come back until she was in recovery. How long? How long was that? It was about four years that yeah we you know and it was really almost 
graduating from high school, starting college before some of those puberty things came back that, you know, and some of them never came, but, um, you know, now that she's recovered, I mean, she has been able to like to, you know, carry a child and all of those things, but there was a lot of issues that we were concerned. And I think that aided in her recovery was realizing if I don't stop, I'm not going to have a life afterwards. Right. Which is so well. And, and that, that was years in the making. That wasn't, yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> that did not happen the first month she went to treatment. Yeah. So give us a little clue and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more in our next segment, but um, what were some of the turning points for you and what did you do to get her into a better, like, Talk, talk to us about a little bit about that recovery road that you started on. Well, we um, initially consulted the pediatrician because we didn't know who else to go to who gave us the name of a lady. Um, we, I remember walking to her office and looking at my child who was in front of me and seeing exactly what you said, every bone on her legs, um, her knees, and realizing that guilt we have let this go too far and too long. We have tried to bribe and tried to fix it on our own for too long. You know, it was in really in hindsight, it was a matter of a couple of weeks, but it just at that point had progressed. Right. And, um, she went in and basically was very defiant and said she didn't have a problem. And we talked about, um, a outpatient treatment program and, um, she gave us some numbers and said, you know, you've got to try to, you know, do you, can will you commit to eating and I think she gave her it was very not it was so nominal will you commit to that and she said yes I'll commit to it so that I can do the outpatient treatment and um, that was on a Friday and Saturday and she said here's the number so on Saturday we had made a sandwich no mayonnaise (laughs) no butter no condiments and it was another one of those fights and um, I think we had cut up an apple and she wouldn't even eat the apple. And we spent probably an hour on that. And I called the um, doctor and she said, you need to get her to a treatment program because she's just, she's too thin. And we're very concerned for her health. So at that point, she was able to be put in a new um, treatment program that was inpatient. She was there for a couple of weeks. Was that here in Atlanta? Yes, it was here in Atlanta. Okay. So that's Ridgeview. Um, it was actually Peachford at that point, And they have <gasps> since... That's right. I remember. I remember that. Which is how we found you. They gave you my name. Yes, they did. Oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We are so, 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 so grateful because the, uh, um, you know, the other, the other lady at that point, their inpatient treatment was full. And so that's why we went there and she was so full, which is really disturbing that there were that many young girls, but her program was full and we started asking around and it was funny because your name came up about four times and it was kind of like God had to hit me on the head on the fifth one. And so I, we called you and, um, you really connected with her and it, yeah, she was, uh, I'll explain a little bit more. You'll have to tune in (laughs) next week. And right now we are running out of time. So I want to read our verse of the week. And um, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. That's James 1, 19. And oh, how that applies for parents when they are trying to desperately 
desperately save their children from harming themselves unknowingly and knowingly. And um, Francina, I'm so excited. Uh, We'll talk to you again next week. And so y'all stay tuned and have a blessed week. Bye. Bye. I'll be back. (laughs) I'll be back. (laughs) 